From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this edition of LPL Research Market Signals podcast. My name is Mark Zabicki, Chief Investment Officer of LPL Financial. Joining me today is Christian Kerr, who is our Head of Macro Strategy. Uh, Christian is responsible for running the day-to-day operations of our Strategic and Tactical Asset Allocation Committee. Uh, the body responsible for uh, the macro thought leadership uh, of LPL Research. Uh, Christian, first time on Market Signals podcast. Good to be with you. Excited to be here, Mark. Good, good. Um, glad. And and um, we are recording this on on Tuesday, um, February twentieth. Uh, and uh, before we get into um, the the meat potatoes of what happened in the markets um, just want to want to want to talk about you know the agenda before we set up what happened uh, last week, and then we'll get into what we think about markets uh, as we move forward here. Um, the the agenda we were going to cover today, uh, we'll talk a little bit about the market, you know, uh, recap, and, and Christian will get your thoughts on some of that. I know you've got some specific viewpoints on uh, foreign equity markets, specifically in Japan, things to watch there. Um, and then the long talked about, or seemingly long talked about um, uh, in this forum and other uh, other forums across uh, capital markets is the lack of breadth in, in market leadership. And most of that breadth is really, or most of that market leadership is really centered in on the technology sector. We'll talk a little bit about that. Um, and then a couple things that we're looking at uh, as we sit here today, uh, this week, including uh, the Fed meeting minutes, um, which were indeed on, indeed on tap um, this week. So if we look up, look back last week, um, it's the first losing week since uh, January 5th, which was the first um, week of the new year. Uh, you know, U.S. equity markets um closed down and you know global equity markets had a little bit of difficulty here and there but um u.s equity markets were particularly weak based largely on um some cpi and ppi numbers that were were less than expected um you know the cpi came in at 3.1 percent um for january and the market was expecting 2.9 percent it felt like christian that the market had start had started pricing in um, some level of perfection. Would you agree with that, or what's your assessment? Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, you know, you know, particularly when it comes to to inflation, I think there's, um, you know, when you, when you look at the beginning of the year, two things that the that consensus seems to be very uh, clear about is that inflation is peaked and heading lower, and that you know we're likely to get either a soft landing or no landing. Uh, so I think when you set the bar that high. Uh, it's it's fairly easy to 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 get kind of prints like we got last week that that kind of make the market maybe maybe double take or think twice about that. So I think that's what we what we saw. I think a lot of times it's about the path to get there. Um, so you know we we might eventually get to the to the goals or the the end end snare the market thinks we're going to, but it might not be a linear path. I think that's that's basically what what would sum up kind of what happened last week. Yeah, and it seemed like everything that had been working didn't work last week. Is that is that also fair? Yeah, I, I mean, I think looking at this at at kind of the performance numbers, 
you know, precisely that. The one that stands out to me is, you know, you, if you look at the S&P, you know, down 30 basis points on the week versus the Russell 2000, which was, you know, up 120 basis points. So I think that 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 explains it pretty well. But but yeah, pretty much everything that worked since pretty much the first week of the year uh, reversed last week a little bit. Uh, you know, same goes for growth versus value, uh, international uh, versus U.S., uh, so, so kind of that was the, the the clear theme. I think it's early days, really, in terms of you know, is this a major change in trend? You know, I don't, I don't think you can really know that from a week, but definitely something to keep an eye on, just because the markets, uh, you know, are so crowded in these in these trades at the moment that uh, that I think you need to kind of keep a keep a weather eye on what's going on with with respect to these rotations. Yep. And, and, and same really for fixed income. And if we look, you know, kind of at, at commodities as, as well, I mean, you know, a little bit of weakness uh, there across the, the broader commodity complex. But fixed income, I mean, you mentioned CPI. We talked about that at the open, um, you know, not quite uh, meeting market expectations, which means uh, people have to kind of dial back their Federal Reserve um, rate cut expectations um, more in line with what we think. I mean, we're expecting about four rate cuts perhaps in 2024. I think the market was pricing in more than that. So um, certainly the CPI uh, number uh, helped dial that back. And um, it, that was reflected in the bond market. Anything catch your eye in fixed income? Yeah, I mean, I mean, we basically priced out a full cut uh, after after all this, and and March expectations are effectively zero now. Um, I do wonder if it means, you know, does this mean that the Fed is boxed in a little bit? And what I mean by that is, it's a political year. Uh, so you know, if the Fed doesn't want to be seen as political, you know, start coming September, can they really move if they want to? So it kind of, if we have a cut now coming in in June at the earliest, it gives them three, maybe four months to, to do quite a few cuts. So I think that could be a, a potential thing to think about uh, if the Fed really isn't being motivated about not being not being seen as political. Uh, and in terms of in terms of kind of the performance last week, too, I, I would also mention, you know, if you had told me that the inflation surprise and how would how would it have uh, kind of played out, uh, the fact that commodities were so weak, you know, in general against that was was quite interesting because you, you would have thought that would have been the the chance for them to uh, to shine a little bit, no pun intended. Um, but but I guess kind of the main the main commodity that matters uh, for the indexes would be crude, and it did have a, it did have a fairly solid week. So so perhaps uh, just the the composite of the index is what is what uh, is, is what kind of uh, reflects those numbers. Yeah, and, and crude certainly helped um, the en energy uh, sector uh, as well. So as we look ahead uh, at this point. Uh, Christian, you know, the market's obviously been on a near parabolic trend uh, since October-ish. Um, and what we talked about at the open, how things have gotten a little bit frothy, as we say. Um, I mean, what's your assessment as we look at today's market conditions and maybe using the S&P 500 picture as a backdrop? Yeah, I think frothy is a is a, is a good term. I mean, we'll get into some charts that kind of show maybe some of the sentiments and position dynamics that are at play that that warn maybe a correction. You know, could be could be in the offing. You know, these things are are, are dangerous because you know we've we've uh, we basically rallied over twenty percent in seventy trading days, so a little over two months. So these things can extend. So you know, it's a it's a dangerous game to try to play for a top. But I think kind of 
uh, a, a correction would not be necessarily a, a bad thing here. But but listen, you know, in the S&P, it, it's tough to look at this chart and and get too bearish. You know, we're 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 holding gains above the all time highs, um, you know, well above these 50, 200 day moving averages. Uh, so if anything, you know, you know, I, I think Adam put this together, our chart, our uh, Adam Turnquist, our, our technician, and, and uh, you know, pointed out the RSI divergence was happening, which, you know, would would tend to make you think that it could be a, a corrective uh, you know, consolidation phase, perhaps. Um, so that's kind of where I'm where I'm at right now. You know, nothing negative at all on this chart, uh, other than we've risen pretty far, pretty fast. Um, but you know, I think the proof will be in the pudding. We do get a correction. You know, ideally, want to see kind of uh, support. You know, be found at those old highs, maybe down a little bit lower around the uh, around those moving averages, and kind of how we react there will really determine. You know, how uh, how aggressive this correction can be if we do in, indeed end up getting one. Yeah, yeah, uh, and and as we as we talk about you know kind of linear progressions of of equities, I mean you know I think it, which rarely happens in this market for an extended period of time on any asset price, but it, it, and true of CPI as well, where you know I think we went down in January CPI relative to where we've been in recent months, but it still wasn't good enough to satisfy um, the market. Um, which I, you know, I think just based on, you know, CPI, it's, it's, I think as well within our expectations, but, you know, the market that started pricing in some irrational expectations in terms of the directional change in CPI. What, what, what do you think about the entire thing? Yeah, I, I agree with that assessment. I touched upon it a little bit earlier, but, uh, you know, there are some lofty expectations priced in. If you look at, at, at some of the, the swap curves, uh, you know, August of 2024, uh, the market's expecting a CPI print of less than 2%, right? So these lofty expectations, the more and more people get excited about them, there's a chance that 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 you could get misses here and there. And quite frankly, you know, the geopolitical situation, uh, you know, the 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 war in Ukraine, the war in, in in the Middle East, you know, these types of things are tend to be a little bit kind of stoke the the flames of inflation. So things to keep an eye on. I mean, I don't think this really necessarily changes our our, our broader outlook, but just kind of be aware that that the path to get there could is not going to be this linear progression uh, in in terms of kind of going back to trend or subtrend inflation. And I think that's the most important thing from a from a market standpoint to be thinking about. Yep. Um, and then uh, looking looking at the entire global equity complex, I mean, you know, we've been uh, thinking about U.S. Um, as the key place to be relative to other global equity markets. I think I still think that's a, a fair assessment, but I, I know you wanted to call your, uh, your attention uh, to what's going on or call, it, call this audience's attention to what's going on in, in, in Japan in terms of uh, the favorable equity market um, prospects there. But you know, we, we were hitting very interesting levels uh on the Nikkei and, and I know this is caught your eye what do you what do you think yeah I mean we peaked December 29th 1989 uh so it's been 34 years since this index has has made new all-time highs I think we somewhat take it for granted uh in the U.S. that equity markets you know always go up and uh and this is a a pretty important chart I think for 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 broader broader equities across the globe and, and kind of just in you know what it's gonna what it signals potentially from a from a you know a long term perspective for Japan, um, but you know kind of long term thirty year plus highs you know the same thing kind of happened in the uh, in the U S indices after the nineteen twenty nine crash we didn't we didn't make new highs until the early fifties, 
And, you know, that was the start of a big secular trend. So perhaps some of that's going on. I think short term, uh, you know, whenever you get these 30 plus type year highs and you and you get to them, they're going to be a big psychological level for the market. I would be very surprised if we just, you know, broke through it and and, and went up another two, three thousand points relatively easily. Um, so, you know, there probably will be a bit of choppier, but we're clearly at a big at a big turning point for for the for the Japanese equity market from a psychological perspective, from a price action perspective, and and I think it's it's worth monitoring. And we've been pretty positive on on Japanese equities for a better part of a year now, and uh, it, it's nice to see it kind of playing out. But I think um, you know if if we do kind of get a foothold above those those all time highs, uh, you know this this market could get really really interesting. And uh, you know I think it plays into what we're seeing you know on the next chart with China, uh, just because intra regionally. Uh, you know, there. You know, you probably heard in the news earlier. There's some hedge funds that were kind of they were playing spread trades essentially. So you know, they were they were uh, playing a bounce in China and a and a and a, and a sell off in in Japan, which obviously hasn't really played out. Um, so I do think with China, it, it's a big part of the emerging market indexes. Uh, you know, literally got weighted at the at almost near the top. But with, you know, you can see here this chart goes back to 2021, basically 30 percent down from those highs. We've had about a 10 percent rally. Uh, you know, the, the, the Chinese policymakers are throwing just about everything they can at the market to try to, to try to bolster it. And it looks like they're finally starting to get a little bit of traction with that. Um, you know, kind of one thing I just wanted to highlight here and, I, and those, those, uh, those, those white lines and the former lows, right? So big, big, important inflection points. And, and typically, you know, you can, you can gauge the character of a market pretty well by how it reacts at old lows. You know, if, if, if we've got up there and, and kind of just failed again and, and turned back down, that would be a pretty negative signal, uh, you know, to most technicians. And the fact that we were able to, you know, from this rally post the, the, the Chinese New Year, be able to get start to get a little bit of a attraction above there. That's that's a that's a clear potential positive of a of at least an attempt at a at a near-term bottom. You know, we also closed uh, above the moving average. So you're starting to see some some pretty decent technicals. Uh, you know, in terms of how big or important of a potential shift this is, I think it's it's very early days. Um, you know, but 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 the fact that, that we are starting to see a little bit of of positive uh, action here in the in the in the Chinese market, you know, bodes well potentially for uh, for for kind of a you know maybe a more important short term tactical move by uh, by Chinese equities. But uh, but but I think we probably want to see us start getting uh, you know getting weekly closes, monthly closes potentially above some of these technical levels to to start talking more aggressively about a, about a real bottom in in, in China. Yeah, and I and I know. I mean, we've been underweight uh, EM in, in, in part due to the fact of the, the weakness you see in China here. Um, and, and we've been, you know, it's it's been a good trade to be underweight, you know, broadly EM for the last fifteen plus years, right? So um, the the points you make are, are good. Um, you know, to, you know, we are we seeing what could be the early innings of a of a China bottom. Um, We'll, we'll we'll have to wait and see. You know, tactically, we think it's a little early to make that call, as you as you stated. Uh, we're still underweight. In, you know, emerging markets, but uh, these are the kind of things that we we pay attention to. Um, going back to Japan for one second, I, I mean, you know, uh, obviously the the market, you know, back near its all time high uh, is is certainly newsworthy. What is what is the catalyst? What what's been the driver? Uh, in Japan this time around versus in decades past? Yeah, that's a great question. I think in the near term, the catalyst was, and it didn't get much play, but it should have, is there was a, there was a, probably the most 
important speech given by the Bank of Japan on February 8th. Uh, and, and they just highlighted very well that they're that that the way they approach policy is very different from the West, right? They have been they have been facing, you know, a deflationary problem for the better part of three decades, and they're not going to move until they feel it's time. So I think coming into this year, if you approached Japan from a Western mindset, you know, particularly what was going on with inflation, you know, I think Japan had inflation at 40-year highs or near 40-year highs to start the year. So the consensus thinking was, hey, they're gonna they're gonna most likely uh, normalized policy. And, and that that speech kind of laid out that, you know, we view things different and we're not going until, you know, we are certain that we have beaten this deflation uh, back, right? And they're not certain yet. And the fact that, uh, you know, Japan technically went in a recession yesterday uh, is, is, uh, is, is another reason I think you're seeing kind of this leg up in the market here because, you know, they're, they're expecting looser policy from, from Japanese authorities. I think that's, that's kind of the near-term catalyst. I think from a from a longer term catalyst, you know, they've they've done some things structurally uh, that have been very positive. So making kind of the 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 equity markets there a little bit more Western like, uh, which is starting to attract, I think, I think you know, global capital back to Japan and and the fact that you know Japanese shares were basically on a on a price to book basis, uh, you know, kind of one of the more attractive G10 uh, economies to, to say the least, uh, you know, I think that, that definitely helped the, uh, the story. So it's kind of a, a perfect storm of sorts where you've got policy uh, plus structural changes that are, that are all kind of leading to a, to a, to a potentially, uh, you know, bigger bull market in Japan. Yeah. 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 Um, so if we if we think about you know just the broader market in terms of you know t- focusing back on the U.S., um, let's talk about you know what you're looking at across you know the market here uh, in this country. You know, clearly we're we're top heavy in terms of you know the the key names driving the market in terms of market capitalization. What does this chart show you? Yeah, I, you know, again, this put together by our by our colleague Adam, uh, but but just really showing the 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 concentration uh, in the indexes that's really driving the returns. It's not necessarily a, a bad thing, but but it's also unusual, right? So you know, it, depending on how you slice and dice these things, you know, you can come up with a, with a bunch of different ways to look at it. But I, but I thought one, if you look at kind of the top ten. Uh, stocks and their influence on an index, you know, we're basically at the highest levels that we've seen that in, since 1930s. And, and a couple of takeaways is not necessarily a negative thing because a lot of times what you can see is that the, the broader market will catch up. So you just need a natural rotation and, and kind of, you know, in, in S&P terms, the 490 starts to, starts to carry the load. That's a way that this can play out. The, the more negative way this would play out is, is that doesn't happen. Right. And then, and, you know, these, these top names start to lose a little bit of momentum, start to stumble a little bit, and then the rest of the market doesn't catch up. So it's more of a of a signal that this isn't this isn't usual. It probably can't last very long, and very long being you know relative, you know that could be quarters. But you know we've seen this for the better part of the year now. But but just just realize that the the, the main point here is that that this is an unusual situation, and and there is some some risk here, uh, you know you know because of that because it takes you know. I think we'll talk about it a little bit later, but but the uh, the Nvidia earnings announced tomorrow. It's it's basically a a broader market risk at this point. So I think you start seeing those types of dynamics. You know, the indexes start to trade a little bit more like sector funds essentially because they're they're so weighted like that. So just things to think about when you when you have this dynamic. Again, not necessarily a, a bad thing, but just it's a it's a little bit of a different game we've been playing when you have 
when you have this type of, of concentration risk in the market. Yeah, um, and speaking of concentration risk, with this, this chart, again, by Adam Turnquist, our, our, our chief technical strategist on, on market breadth, what's the, what's the takeaway here, Christian? Yeah, I mean, a lot of what I just said, right? I mean, it kind of, I think just highlights it well. It, you know, I will say it's unusual uh, for, for a market to be making all-time highs like the S&P and to be seeing 52-week low, lows kind of uh, getting stronger, right? Which is for, for lack of a better word. So that's, that's an unusual situation. Tends to suggest that, that uh, you know, exactly what, I've, what, I've, what I was trying to highlight, that, that you have kind of just a few names leading the market higher. And you really kind of either need the the uh, the broader market to start catching up for the for the market to extend, or or you could be due for a little bit of a correction. I think um, you know that's typically what you would what you would see from uh, you know when, when you get kind of bad bad breath. Yeah, um, and and I know I know this this chart is one of your favorites personally. So um, um, what it what it speaks to probably is what you had just been saying again, just a different way to look at it. Um, what what is it? What does this chart show you? Yes, this is a this is a mix of, you know, from from our from uh, some research partners we have at Vanda, and they, uh, you know, they they look at positioning in the equity market in a, in a in a variety of different segments, right? So so looking at, uh, you know, certain institutional flows, certain retail flows, and and kind of having a way to dissect it. The interesting thing to take away from here is that is that basically when we get to these extremes of positioning, so everyone buying the same things. Uh, you know, this has happened, I believe, seven times since the global financial crisis, you know, 2009, and six of the seven, we've had pretty decent corrections from, from this positioning level. Uh, so again, not an end-all, be-all, holy grail that, that we're due a correction, but I think it is something that, that, that is a little bit of a warning sign that, that things have, have gotten a little bit too far too fast. Uh, and the fact that kind of everyone everyone is is in on the on the same trades is a is a warning sign that that perhaps uh, you know we 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 might need to clear that out a little bit. And also note, you know, we didn't include it, but um, you know, there's a host of these survey sentiment kind of uh, data points, and and one was the uh, Consensus Inc., which which I believe just looks at newsletter writers uh, and and even some brokerage firm, uh, kind of opinions. And that got to the highest, most bullish levels in 20 years last week. So clearly everyone's kind of thinking the same thing that, 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 uh, that everyone looks rosy. And I think when, when you get to those types of types of, um, points in the market, that's when you kind of have to think a little bit contrarian sometimes and say, you know, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe the market might need to pull back a little bit. So that's, that's kind of what I what I see here. Again, very dangerous when you're in strong bull markets to, to to try to be a top picker. So I'm not trying to trying to advocate that at all, but just saying you know have a little bit of um, you know a little bit of thought around you know well what do I want to do if we if we do get a pullback? What levels would I want to want I want to get reinvolved in? Or you know does it does it make sense lightening some up here? Those are types of think, thinking or or questions to be asking yourself when we're when we're at these types of, of levels in terms of price positioning sentiment in the market. Yeah, and, and I good well said. I mean, I, I talked a little bit about this in the Street View video. I, I mean, if, if you know, if you're going to get out over your skis too far in the equity market, 2024 is certainly not. It's never good to do that anyway. But 2024 is not the time to do that, given all that's in front of us. And I mean, we've we've talked about some some tools for the toolbox here. Some of the things that we look at to kind of. Uh, determine whether it's the right time to start thinking about a little bit of a contrarian view. I think we think that time is 
is now, it doesn't mean we're not constructive on equities. It just means we're not expecting equities to go up in a straight line here. We thought we were going to have a fairly constructive year in 2024. It seems like we've gotten a lot of gains in a short amount of time. And, and that usually, um, you know, brings, uh, you know, a pause, you know, down the road. Um, in, in terms of treasury yields, obviously, again, we've pulled back a little bit um, in terms of prices and yields have gone a little bit higher as a result of the changing Federal Reserve expectations. But what's the takeaway from this chart, Christian? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, we've we've run up quite a bit in terms of yields. I think probably more than most people thought, you know, we're, we're, we're overweight bonds. Um, so, you know, don't really want to see us get too much above that that 440 level needles that might start suggesting that maybe something is, has changed in terms of narrative, but I think, you know, extended, extended a bit in terms of yields, but, but I think so far reacting at levels you'd expect it and you'd want it to. And, uh, you know, I think if we do turn down here and we get kind of that, that bearish price action that you want to see up against, you know, old highs, uh, resistance, uh, you know, I think it sets itself up for a, for a pretty dynamic trade in terms of bonds higher and, 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 uh, and yields down. So, you know, Again, kind of did what it should have done given given the uh, given what we saw last week with the uh, with the with the inflation numbers, but uh, but so far nothing nothing really of significance in terms of technical damage. Uh, so so looking for us to you know ideally fail somewhere around here and then and then I um, you know probably get some sort of some sort of move back down ideally down to those the uh, the old lows from uh, late last late last year. Yeah, and, and our target for the ten-year Treasury yield remains unchanged. We started it started the year. We posted this in actually early December, looking for uh, the ten-year Treasury yield to end the 2024 around 375 to four and a quarter, and and we're still we're still thinking along those same um, so same lines. So correlation study here, um, Christian. Back to you on on what the takeaway from this chart is. Yeah, a couple of things. I mean, you know, I would say we've we've started to see uh, yields break uh, or equity equity sectors break from yields. You know, most of most of twenty twenty two that was that was a driver, for example. And basically, since the middle of last year, we started to see uh, certain sectors start to start to change. And then a couple couple of things of note that that really comes into uh, really comes into fruition around around earnings season. Where you'll start to see, you know, particularly with things like tech, uh, you'll 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 see that break from yields happen fairly aggressively, and and we're starting to see that again. Um, key thing here, if I think in this chart, is that energy hasn't right, and, and we saw that last week where where uh, where tech got hit on the on the move higher in yields, and, uh, and and energy did did well. So it's kind of energy's been the one one area. It's it's almost somewhat defensive now. And it's been it's been having a tough time breaking away from that dynamic. But I think in terms of what we were talking about, broader picture in terms of the breadth picture, uh, things like that, this this yield uh, dynamic breaking down would be a good thing. I think for the for the broader market in terms of in terms of getting things to start uh, trading a little bit different. And uh, so I think there's some just to be be on the lookout for over the next uh, you know over the next few months is if we start getting these. These breakdown and correlations with uh, with with the interest rate markets. So that's that's probably a, a, a good thing for equities going forward if we can uh, indeed get it. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, week ahead, you know, clearly um, earnings, uh, economic numbers, 
as well. Uh, and then the all important FOMC meeting minutes uh, tomorrow, um, you know, yeah, actually the global PMI numbers should be also of, of interest, but, you know, um, in addition to NVIDIA, and I think we may have a, I don't know, we don't have a chart on NVIDIA, I think, um, but we, 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 you talked a little bit about NVIDIA and, and, and the earnings there, Christian. So, you know, for your money, what's, what's the thing that people should be paying attention to this week in, in global capital markets? Yeah, I would actually, it, it's a great question. I, I would actually be a fade on the FOMC minutes. I don't think it's going to be that it, that significant, but I'll give you a substitute, and that's going to be Chris Waller's speech on Thursday at 7.35 p.m. Eastern time. Waller has become a much bigger, important voice at the Fed, and uh, and he's actually the one that kind of kicked off the uh, the the kind of the the hopes about, about the uh, rate-cutting cycle starting uh, earlier than, than was expected back in, in Q4 of last year. So he's an important one. I think the markets are a little bit confused right now. So he's giving a speech that's going to have a Q&A. It's an economic outlook. So I think that's a potential one to think about. It could be a market mover. It's going to happen when markets are closed, but I think that, that one's the one to be on the lookout for. And I think, you know, the, the NVIDIA numbers are going to be important for the market, you know, whether, whether we like it or not there, you know, we spent a few minutes on concentration risk and NVIDIA has been the primary driver of the nexus this year. Um, so it's going to be significant. You know, I think the call, uh, the call afterwards is going to is going to have potential broader market impact. Uh, so I think when we're looking at out ahead at the at the week, I think you know those two things are kind of what are, what's on my radar. Obviously, the I think the PMI to an extent can also be important. The minutes, I'm, I'm just I don't think it's as important because it comes. You know, you're looking at 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 backdated stuff. It's 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 prior to a few key numbers and things like that. So it doesn't really give the market I think what it needs. In terms of in terms of clarity uh, with respect to Fed interest rate policy here, so that's why I think that that uh, that Waller speech might might be more important. Okay, um, well said. And um, Christian Curry, uh, LPL Financials head of macro strategy, I thank you for joining me today. Well, welcome to this Market Signals uh, Forum. Uh, I'm Mark Zabicki, Chief Investment Officer. Thank you uh, all for for joining Christian and I. Um, be with us next week when Jeff Bookbinder will be back in this chair. Enjoy your week in capital markets. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer 
Member FINRA and SIPC insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker-dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency, not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposit or obligations, and may lose value.